been kind of camping here for the last several weeks. There's no way that I could possibly touch on or recap all that we have covered. Um, but you want to be sure to get uh, online and um, download the messages or uh, you need to download it naturally, but you need to download it spiritually, too. Amen. Amen. It doesn't need to just go in one ear and out the other. We're not here just trying to do religious ritual and religious practice. We're here for kingdom empowerment. Amen. And um, I want to send you out of here every weekend. My heart is to send you out of here stronger and better than when you walked in. You walked in sick. You're going to walk out healed. Right. You know, you walked in anxious. You're going to walk out with peace of God that passes all understanding. It'll guard your heart and mind through and in Christ Jesus. I want to send you out of here better. Look at your neighbor said, I want to be better. Yeah, we all need to be better, don't we? And Hebrews chapter five, verse 11, we've been tackling the subject of discernment, discernment, learning to discern uh, in these last days. Uh, discerning means to be decisive. Learning, learning to be decisive, learning to choose better. Amen. And uh, we even saw the word discriminate, discriminate uh, in that definition of discernment. Uh, Hebrews chapter five, starting with verse 11, says of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. How many of you know the Bible can be hard to explain sometimes, right? It's not always easy. God doesn't make it. Let me just let you in on something. God's not making it difficult uh, and, and hard uh, to try to keep it from you. He, it's hard and difficult to determine your value for the word. Okay, you didn't like that. Let me try it a different way. Let me try, let me try, uh, work it over a little bit. God is trying to determine over in, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus calls it a mystery, the mystery of the kingdom. Paul calls it. Paul says that to us has been given the ability to know the mystery. Why is it a mystery? Why is God uh, uh, putting it behind stuff? And why is he making us dig for it? Why? Because he said, you don't cast your pearls before swine. What's he mean? You don't just hand out valuable stuff to people that do not value it. Amen. I'm a dad and I'm all about getting Camden stuff and always about blessing him. And and uh, but you know what? He, he's not going to value an iPad at the age of six. He's not going to value it, it, It's not going to it's going to end up smashing bugs and it's going to end up. He's going to take a real pen and a real Sharpie to it and think he can actually draw on top of the screen. Right. Uh, uh, he's going to throw it around and he's going to drop it. Why? He doesn't have the value for it. So let's buy him one of those little kitty ones for four ninety nine from Target that's got all kinds of grip and molds all around the outside. So when he drops it, it won't actually shatter all over the place. Actually has games on it that he can use, not stuff that he's going to sit there for an hour and a half trying to figure out. Amen. Why? Because I'm trying to get something to him that he will value. 
And Jesus is not laying truths and deep knowledge and, and, and all this, this spiritual revelation out on the surface level where you can just run by and grab it up. No, he's wanting to know, how, how bad do you want this thing? Uh, how, how much do you want to walk with me and talk with me and dwell with me and, and get to know me? How, how deep into this thing are you wanting to get? Are you just wanting the surface Jesus or are you wanting the real Jesus? And so, so when he's saying it's hard to explain, he's not saying it's hard like God's made it difficult on purpose because he doesn't want you to figure it out. No, he wants you to figure it out, but he wants to know how badly you want it. Okay? So we're, we're determining value when he says hard to explain. Because why? Because you've grown dull of hearing. Because you don't even value what you have heard. Dull of hearing. Doesn't mean no one's talking. Doesn't mean that no one's teaching. It means no one's listening. There's a problem on the listening end. We've got the communication. We've got much to say. We haven't run out of stuff to say. And this is 2,000 plus years ago. We still have stuff to say today, don't we? We still have stuff to say. Uh, But what we have is not a communication problem. We have a listening, hearing problem. You have grown dull of hearing. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again. So, so the reason why we've grown dull is because you didn't get it the first time. We didn't get it the first time. And so I have to keep teaching it and I have to keep preaching it and I have to get. But you, you, you've grown dull of hearing of what, how you you want the blessing in your marriage. But you've grown dull of hearing how to operate as a husband and wife. You want blessings in your finances, but you've grown dull of hearing of how to steward and handle your finances well. So you can see the blessings of God in your finances. You, you, you want the blessings on your family, but you don't want to follow what my word says. And you've grown dull of hearing what my word says and how to steward your children and raise them up in the church. You've grown dull of hearing. And so he says, by this time, we you ought to be teaching. But you need someone to teach you. So the teacher is having to be taught again. And you've come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, unskilled. I don't know about you. I have that one underlined in my Bible. The word unskilled in the word of righteousness. We've become unskilled in something that is the fundamental foundation of the gospel. Unskilled in the word of righteousness. Like that's the basics, right? That's ground zero. That's like we got in. That's the first. That's probably one of the first terms you heard when you started going to church. And when you started turning your life over to Jesus was the word righteousness, which is not a it's not a a, a Bible word, guys. Righteousness is, is not one of these, you know, holy scriptural words. Righteousness means literally to be in right standing with the governing authority. There's a 45 mile an hour speed limit out here on this road. If you are within that 45 mile an hour speed limit, you are righteous. Jesus is not involved. Heaven's not involved. God's not involved. You didn't pray the sinner's prayer. You were just literally going 
underneath the ruling of the governing authority. You're in obedience. You're in alignment. We get out of alignment. It's called unrighteousness. You're in alignment. It's called righteousness. It means to be in right standing. It means I am righteous. So when I stand before God, I can say, I've done it right. How many of you have ever been going down the road and you were going the speed limit? You were going the speed limit. But you saw a cop on the side of the road. And what was your first reaction? But you're doing the speed limit. But if your heart convicts you, right? Why? My, my foot came off the pedal even when I was doing right because there's been plenty of times I was doing wrong. <laughs> so my initial reaction when I see the popo is to pull up, slow down, hit the brakes. I come to a complete stop. I'm good. And then I realized, man, I was going to speed limit anyways. What's the problem? That one time, it was probably because I was just getting up to 80. I was just getting up there. I just hadn't got there yet. I'm not the only one. That's all right. It says, unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Oh, man, this, this maturity issue. You know, we, we, we look at the Bible and we see so many individuals that were imperfect, right? I mean, it's the, the, the Bible is just laden with them. Moses and Joseph and Joshua, David. I mean, if our president did what David did, oh my gosh. If, if our president slept with someone's wife that was on his staff, one of his generals, while he's at war, fighting for our country, he's over in the Middle East fighting ISIS. And his wife is back here and our president sleeps with him. Uh, gets her, sleeps with her, gets, some preg- gets her pregnant, then puts that general on the front lines over in the Middle East so he can be killed. So this thing won't come out that it was the president's child, not really the general's child. Y'all following me? That's our King David, who is a man after God's own heart. Goodness, we crucify him. That scandal to the, forget Jerry Springer, we just blew past all that mess. The Bible is full of so many imperfect people. But here, here's, a, here's a, a, a crux that we fall on a lot. Here, here's, the, here, here's the crutch of ours is, is we, we use these imperfect individuals as reasons to try to justify our lack of perfecting no you will never be perfect there's only one man that's ever walked this earth that has been perfect but the bible's very clear you will never be able to deter the fact you'll never be able to to take away from the fact that we are to be perfected As believers, there should be a perfecting. You should not be cussing anymore. You should not be drinking anymore. You should not be uh, walking in hatred towards your spouse anymore. You, you, You should not be taking on these lifestyles that are contrary to what the word of God says. There has got to be a striving for, a grabbing a hold of, a going after. Not saying you'll never miss it. 
Not saying you won't ever blow it, but do we want to be, do you really want to get to uh, heaven and stand before Jesus and, and utter the words, I made it? I'm here. Was this all about crossing a line? Was this all about trying to get through a gate? Or is there anything that says I got in, but now I want to become more than I ever was. I want to become better than I ever could have been on my own. Only by the grace of God, only by his mercy, not by my works, not by anything I could do on my own. This is not self-righteousness, holier than thou, super spiritual. Let me rub it in your face. But there is there is something in me that says I got to change who I am. There is not enough talk in the church today on sin and what sin does to an individual's life. We'll talk about grace and mercy all day long, but you don't recognize the fullness of grace until you recognize the fullness of sin. You cannot comprehend the grace of God. Don't talk to me about the grace of God until you are ready to to stand before me and talk about how bad sin is. Because sin will destroy you. And until you build up a hatred for sin, you will never understand the grace of God. And this candy-coated, candy-cane A lollipop message of grace is destroyed when we don't take on the full effect of what sin does in a believer. So let me get off of that real quick. Don't want to stay there. All right. But verse 14 says solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use. Everyone say reason of use. Reason of use, have their senses exercised, everyone say exercised, to discern both good and evil. So we've been tackling this, this subject, we've been tackling this issue of, of discerning between two things that seem so blatantly obvious. James, it's, it's easy, good, evil, evil, good. I mean, that's paramount. I mean, we learned that at two years old. Knife, bad. Crayon, good. Right? We, we figured out evil and good. Yet this verse is telling me that I've got to be trained and I have to be exercising it. And I have to practice it by use. Otherwise, I won't be good at it. I will be unskilled at telling the difference between good and evil. And Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 tells us that this exactly will be the case. It will be the case. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Three examples of things that are absolutely, completely, obviously contrary to one another. Good, evil, bitter, sweet, light, darkness. How in the world could I possibly confuse the two? How in the world could it simply be that easy that I can't tell the difference from the light being on and the light being off? From something being sour and bitter versus something that is is sweet and tasteful. How could it be that I could mistake Evil for good and good for evil. 
Well, when we go to Genesis chapter 3, we see that this is the very thing that the devil did in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it's not in here, and, 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 and um, you know, don't turn to it, just jot it down there. Uh, if you haven't been with us, those that have been with us, you know where I'm going. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says that the serpent was the most tricky, cunning, deceiving beast in the entire field, in the entire garden. Tricky, deceptive, sly. We saw that that word means smooth. Smooth. So when we jump down to around verse 6 or so, and, and, and Eve and this serpent are having the conversation uh, about the fruit, and will it kill you? Will it not kill you? What did God say? And there's what he really meant to say, and that's not what's really going to happen. And da 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 When we jump down all that, we saw that Eve saw the fruit, that it was good for food, desirable to make one wise, and pleasant to the eyes. The fruit, the, 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 the most obvious tree in all of the garden that God has already marked. It's just one tree. You've got access to all the other ones. But the one tree, she saw that it was good. She saw that it was pleasant. She saw that it was desirable. See, she wasn't attracted to the evil of the fruit. She was attracted to the good of the fruit. The pleasantness of the fruit. The fact that it was desirable. That it would make me wise. And this is the same tactic. That is what you would call a precedent-setting event. That means that the, what, 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 the, what the, the devil was setting a pattern. What he did there is, is how he would attack and how he would move and how he would uh, 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 deceive people for the rest of time. Uh, we, we know throughout the word he's consistently called the deceiver or the ones that deceives the brethren. He's deceptive. He's sly. He's tricky. He's cunning. He's not offering you evil blatantly and just hoping that you'll take it. He's wrapping it up. Because it wasn't the fruit that made, watch this, it wasn't the fruit that made that tree off limits, made that tree evil. It was the seed. It's what it was grounded in. It's what it was sown in. It was the seed that went into the ground. Why? Because bad seed produces bad fruit. And good seed produces good fruit. So the fruit that you hang, have hanging off the tree is not, it is, it's not just because it decides to be bad one day. It's, it was birthed that way. It was put in the ground that way. Right? Whatever it is born as is what it is. Well, we need that in our culture today, right? Whatever it's born as is what it is. It's called seed. You see, we, we, we have this issue in our culture today. We can't call it for what it is. It's seed. It's an XY chromosome. What's the problem? It's called DNA. What's the issue? It's seed. It's seed from the man. Combined with the woman, makes a child. I mean, how hard is this? But you see what the world will do. The world will complicate the, the, the things that are simple. It's simple. Whatever the seed is determines what the fruit is. 
The fruit of your loins is whatever the seed is. You can't change that. And, and, and you don't wait for the seed to grow up and decide what it wants to be. Do we do that with apple trees and oranges? Do we do that with dogs and cats? Well, it looks like a dog on the outside, but he told me the other day he was a cat. And he was meowing, and he went to the litter box. We, we, are, the only, we are the only race. We are the only uh, uh, biological institute on this planet that it gets to determine what we want to be or what we don't want to be. Oh, I'll just be all of it. But he says here, we've, we've got to be exercised in this. <laughs> Sounds so simple, right? Sounds so easy. Yet he says, you've got to practice. Reason of use. Reason of use. You don't have to show your hands, but how many of you have been practicing your discernment since we've started this series? Last time we spoke on this, obviously last week we had a guest minister, but the week before that we jumped into our our first point or first item of helping ourselves become better at discernment. And that was understanding truth. Understanding truth. But the mistake that we've made with understanding truth is because we think that truth is something when truth is actually someone. You won't know what truth is until you know who truth is. In John chapter 18, Pilate's having a conversation with Jesus right before he uh, is about to be crucified. And Pilate's the one that asked this question. What is truth? And Jesus is thinking, It's standing right in front of you in the person of me, Jesus, the son of God. But he says, all those who are of the truth, hear my voice. If you just want to know what God knows without knowing who God is, right? That was our equip series that we kicked the year off in. You're already limited. You're already behind the eight ball. You're already starting from so far back. You'll never discover what God knows until you know God. God's not handing out information. He's handing out revelation. And information is just facts and stuff. But revelation comes through relationship. You don't get revelation without relationship. I can't reveal myself to you through an email. And that's what we tell people. People, you know, uh, visit our church. Um, you know, and, and some of you may have even asked this question. How come you don't have your stuff on your website? How come you don't post what you believe and your doctrines and da-da-da-da and all this stuff? And that's because if you want information, you can get information. we got brochures, pamphlets, all that good stuff. You can learn about all that. But if you want revelation, if you really want to experience Anchor Faith Church, you got to come and visit. you got to be here. And you got to come at least five times. You can't just come once. See, that's what people want to do is they want to go on one date and think they know somebody. They want to call somebody once a year and think they know somebody. They want to look at their Facebook timeline every now and then and think they know somebody. No, there's no knowing until you have an actual relationship. You want to know about Anchor Faith? Come through the door about three, four, five times. Experience us because not every service is the same either. We may have had an off day for that matter. Anybody in that serves on any team knows that we don't have off days, but maybe we had an off day. Maybe you had a grumpy greeter. 
shake your hand. Hopefully that wasn't today. <laughs> Maybe you dropped off your kid and they, they rolled their eyes. Oh, here's another one. Another dirty diaper. Maybe that happened. I, if it did, let me know. <laughs> but you can't experience us once. You got to keep coming. I mean, selecting a church, man, that, that's an important deal. That's a big deal. You've got to be at a local church. I'll tell you right now, you will not be skilled in this word without a church. It will not happen. I don't care what culture tells you. I don't care what the Internet tells you. I don't care who you watch on TV and I don't care how many shows you got recorded back home right now who's preaching while I'm preaching. I don't care. You will not be skilled in the word of righteousness if you casually... And you know what we do sometimes? This came to me this morning as I was preparing, just looking at this. The Lord told me this. He said, your expectation will never exceed your preparation. I went running yesterday. Probably been six months, and that's probably a lie. It's probably been eight or ten months. <laughs> but we'll go with six months. <laughs> Right? I got the mic. I can I can dress it up. That's kind of like, you know, when I say something like, you know, I was reading a book and saw this quote. The quote's probably all that I read out of the book, but I'm just letting you think that I read the whole article or the whole book. I went running yesterday and, <clears throat> you know, I, I've, I've never I've never loved running, never liked running. I've grown to like it. So don't tell me you can't grow to like stuff because you can grow to like it. Camden will grow to like broccoli. <laughs> will grow to like it. Because I've grown to, to like running. I mean, I enjoy it now. I can get out there, put my headphones in and do it. And I had gotten up. I could do three miles straight without stopping. And some of you in this room are like, whatever. You know, they can't. That was a lot for me because half a mile running a lap. In baseball practice was like, dear Lord, seriously, you know, you just went all practice hoping he forgot the laps. He never did. Coaches never forget laps. And so uh, yesterday I got out there and, um, you know, I, I honestly, I did not expect to run three miles. Why? Because I haven't been doing it. Why? I haven't been training. See, the thing about training is if you don't keep doing it, you'll lose it. You don't pick up where you left off. Sorry, guys. You, you, you don't get up to benching, you know, 205 and, and let it go for six to eight months and get back in the gym and start out on two. You just, it's not happening, period. And, and, you know, so I did better than I expected, but my expectation wasn't real high. To start with. But but this is what we do sometimes as believers. We expect things from God that we've never prepared ourselves for. We expect him to show up in our finances, but we never prepared ourselves by learning how to steward finances well in the first place. We expect him to, uh, uh, you know, change our spouse's heart, but we've never prepared ourselves as as the other spouse. Uh, you, you, you expect the Lord to lead you to the one but you've never prepared yourself to be the one. And you wonder why the one, the ones come around, but you weren't the one. So the one didn't get with the one because you wouldn't be the one for the one. 
So quit setting your expectation here and your preparation down here. Until you learn to prepare your heart and prepare yourself physically, mentally, spiritually to receive and expect what God has for you. God's saying, I can do it. It's on your end. That's the problem. And that's the issue that we're dealing with today. Number one was you can't know uh, what truth is until you know who truth is. Number two. And again, we're just teaching. We're just getting through this through discernment. But the second principle that I have for you in developing discernment in your life is obey the truth you already know immediately. Obey the truth you already know immediately. Obedience. I believe we have a discernment problem in the church because we have an obedience problem in the church. And we see this in our culture today. We all know that the word of God has the ability to transform our lives. Anybody agree with me on that one? It does. The word of God will absolutely transform your life. In fact, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul tells us, commands us even. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye what? transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how does the renewing of the mind take place? By getting in the word and allowing the word of God to reshape and mold your thinking. Everybody knows that when you come into the kingdom, we got a, we got a thinking problem, don't we? We got a thinking problem. We got some stinking thinking. And we got to reverse some things. We got to repent. And repent doesn't mean come down to the altar and boohoo and cry and, and declare all your sins to Jesus. Repent literally means change your thinking. When you come into the kingdom, the first thing, look, God can do, look at, look at the gospel. Look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was just doing miracles left and right, man. I mean, it just, one after the other, walking on water, uh, commanding trees to die, Casting out demons. He's even raising dead people back to life. I mean, just crazy stuff. Lame people walking, deaf people hearing, blind eyes opening. And the one thing he could never touch was the mind. The one thing he had no access to was people's minds and their thinking. Even when they saw the miracles take place. Even when they saw all the signs and wonders. He could not change their, why, that's yours. It's yours. So we know that the word has the power to transform people's lives, transform our lives. But there is a danger that takes place when we don't obey the truth we know. Rather than the word transforming your life, you will end up transforming the word when we don't obey. If we don't obey what we know, let me just give you a practical sense. We talked about speeding. We've already cleared it out that Pastor Mark has a speeding problem. So I'm going to throw that out there. Very simple. The law says 45 miles an hour. 
And so I go down 84, leaving church, and I'm going 50. And I recognize, oh, I'm, I'm going 50. But nobody caught me. And nobody said anything. Nobody pulled me over. So I'll, I'll go 50 again. And then I go 50 again. And this time, there's the cop. And I slow down real quick and hit the brakes. But he doesn't pull me over. Like, he's going to let me slide with 50. So what's the natural tendency? We can go 52. <laughs> go, go 52 in there. Let's see. Right? What are we doing? We're finding the line. Where's the line at? Do this with our employers. Supposed to be at work at 8 a.m., period. 8 a.m. Nobody said anything different. 8 a.m. But you roll in a couple days, 8.02, 8.03. Nobody's saying nothing. Everyone's casual. Ah, oh, yeah, I was running late too. Da, da, da. And then we bump it to 8.05. And we bump it to finding the, finding the line. Whereas we, we, we should have just obeyed what we knew. Like, don't come off of what you already know. You know. So then we take that principle and we take that application and we apply it to the word now. And because lightning doesn't strike us immediately because Adam and Eve didn't fall over dead immediately when they ate that fruit. Oh, maybe we're okay. And what we do is we then transform it. Well, you know, 50 is okay. I've never been pulled over for 50. I mean, I even went by a cop one day. I was going 50 and he didn't do nothing. So what did I just do? The law states 45, period. It's posted. But I just transformed the word into 50s okay. I just transformed the word. Well, it must be okay to slide in here a couple minutes late for work. And then we bring that principle over to the word. Well, you know, maybe homosexuality isn't a sin. I mean, I mean do we not see this happening in our world today? Do we not see a transformation of the word that is printed, stated, clear as day? You cannot miss it. And they'll even use the word to justify their interpretation of the word. And we wonder why we can't discern good from evil. You can't discern it when you keep covering it up. You can't discern it when you keep transforming it into your interpretation. And then we end up with this whole, well, uh, you know, agree to disagree. You're right. I'm right. We're all going to heaven anyways. High five. Thank you, Jesus. No discernment. None whatsoever. We can't discern because we've transformed rather than obey. Rather than do what it says. Matthew chapter 13 Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is giving the parable of the sower here. I referenced it a little bit earlier. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 18. 
I know this is a little harder than usual, and that's okay because, you know, if you want to get down to the knitting grit, you know, if you want to get down to, to the real issues that we're having in life, uh, that's what we're doing. Okay, uh, if you just wanted to surface, praise Jesus, we're all blessed, we're all going to go to heaven and do good. It's not Anchor Faith Church. I mean, we talked about experience in Anchor Faith Church. I'm giving you the experience. Okay, this is encouraging if you'll let it encourage you. This is uplifting if you'll let it uplift you. This is edifying. Well, I want to go to one of them churches that make me feel good all the time. We can make you feel good. We ain't got no problem with that. We can feel good. We can all feel good together all day long here. We can stay here. We can sing the same song five times and, and we can prophesy with one another. We can. But until you want real change, like I said, I want to send you back out of here better than you came in. And this is uplifting. It's uplifting to know that I can discern. Just say it right now. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you've given me the ability to discern good from evil. Good. So now you're thanking him. Now you're thankful. It's hard to be discouraged when you're thankful. So now you're thankful. Thank you for helping me discern. Because that verse could say you will never be able to discern. You'll always be stuck choosing evil over good and choosing good over evil. And and you'll never be able to know right from wrong. So I hope you figure it out. See you in heaven. Bye. But he doesn't say that. He says by practice and by reason of use, you can learn this thing. If you'll come to baseball practice during the week, then you can play second base in the game. If you come to, to, to worship rehearsal and learn the songs with us and learn how to play the bass and learn how to, how to strum the guitar and learn how to, then, then you can learn this. You can get trained just like us. What's the problem? We're not saying you can't. We're saying you can't if you won't. If you won't practice, you can't discern. And so he's given us the ability to discern. And in verse 18, he says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who receives seed by the wayside. He who receives seed on stony places. This is he who what? Let's try that again. This is the one who what? Hears the word immediately, receives it with joy, but he has no root in himself and endures only for a while. Uh, when, tribu- when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who uh, received seed among the thorns is he who what? Hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on good ground is he who what? And what? He who what? Hears and understands it. Indeed, bears fruit and produces. Now, notice all four heard the word. All of them. Nobody's left out. Nobody's left out. Verse 19. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word. Verse 20. This is he who hears the word. Verse 22. He who Hears the word. All three of those heard the word, yet produced no fruit. 
Heard. 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 I heard it. I heard it. You heard? I heard. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I heard it. I read it. I listened to it. I heard. But we don't have a hearing problem. We have a hearing problem. If you back up, verse uh, 14. 14. And then the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and not understand. Seeing you will see, not perceive. Sounds like we've got a lack of discernment going on. We're hearing, but we're not hearing. We're seeing, but we're not seeing. How do we correct this issue? What's the problem here? For there, now this is going to sound familiar. The hearts of this people have grown what? Dull. Doesn't that sound familiar? That sounds like Hebrews chapter 5. Dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Sounds like Hebrews chapter 5 all over again. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. How, what do what? I'll transform them with my word if they'll quit transforming my word to their life. God's word will transform your life if you don't transform the word to your life. But isn't that what we do? Isn't that what happens? We come into church and we hear the word and then we bend it and mold it around. Well, he, he, he must have meant. Read my word day and night. Then you will be of well, no good success. Well, you know, occasionally when I need it, the word's there. I mean, I know where my Bible is when I'm in need, when I've got a struggle. We, we mold God's word to our lives. And when God's word is molded to your life, it can't change your life. It can't change. It can't transform what you've already transformed. Because guess what? I don't care how many times you go down this highway going 50. The cop has every right to write you a ticket for five over. I don't care if you go down it a hundred times and on the hundred and first time someone pulls you over. Officer, I've been coming this way a long time. I've been doing this. I've even gone by some of your buddies. <laughs> Have that conversation. Have that conversation with Jesus in heaven. Well, I, but so and so. I don't want to get to heaven and look at Jesus and have him say, well, I want to look at Jesus and have him say, 
Well done. Done. What did you do? He's not going to say, well heard, good and faithful servant. You heard me. Thank you for sitting in all those services and hearing. Thank you for listening to all that Christian radio and watching all that Christian television. He's not going to care about that. He's going to say, what did you do? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives the parable of uh, the two men that built houses. Starting with verse 24, we see a man that built a house and he built his house. It says, therefore, whoever hears, there's that word again, hears these sayings of mine and does them. We need to back up. Go to verse, uh, is it verse 20? Maybe. Oh, okay, so I, I see what we're doing. He switched it on me. The last time I read this, Matthew had it in a different order, so I just, it's his fault. Starting there, verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Come on, you can say it loud. Does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall. It was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, does not do them, uh, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Both of them heard. We identified this in, in our equip series. They're both sitting in service today. Both of these individuals are in churches all across America this morning. Both individuals got up, got out of bed, rounded, out, rounded up the family and their kids and loaded them in the minivan and drove to church. And some of them are serving today. And some of them are playing instruments today. And some of them are even preaching through microphones today. We've all heard. But it's the capacity to do that sets us apart. It will be impossible for you to operate in kingdom discernment if we never do what we know to do. There's never any application. James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. Come on, y'all know this one. But be doers of the word and not what hearers only what's the next word deceiving what did we say was the opposite of discernment deception if we don't learn to discern we will be easily deceived we will choose evil rather than good we will choose dark rather than light we will choose bitter rather than sweet we will be tricked and deceived if we don't do. What would have happened if Eve would have just done what she knew to do? 
Don't have a conversation about it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to debate, well, this is what God said. Well, maybe he meant this. No, just do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. Obey to the level of the revelation you've received. Do. Apply. Live it out. He says you won't be deceived. What does a deceived person look like? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, continuing there in James, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. I mean, look at how obvious this is, guys. He observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Could it be that simple that we see something that's clear as day? Hey, there I am. I'm I'm in the mirror looking good today. All right, everybody, everything's in place. You walk away and you forget what you are. So simplistic. Not complicated. Easy. Yet, this is where people are failing day in and day out. Because there's no doing but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and what's that next word continues in it don't look at it and continue on your path look at it let it alter your path and say oh i'm not supposed to be doing that anymore okay we're gonna go this way now we 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 read it we hear it and we continue In the mess we were in before we came in. Doing something completely contrary. And then we wonder why we can't discern. And it's not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. Yes, there's work. There's the work. And then there's work. That follows. And you're not working to try to prove something. You're not not working to get something. You're working because you already got something. What has changed in me now changes me all around. It changed me on the inside, and now it's working on the outside. Anybody remember that song back in church? Inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my... Okay. It's all you get. It's all you get. This one will be blessed. In what he does. What he does. What he does. Bet you Adam and Eve were wishing James 1.22 was written back then. That was it. If I had just continued in it, I heard, I just didn't do. Oh my. No, we've got to be doers. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. We're wrapping this up. Proverbs chapter 3. Are y'all getting something? Amen. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and just smile. Just smile. Y'all got got those mean faces on. Mean mugging over there. Smile on your brother now. This is good stuff. Y'all know this one, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Trust in the Lord with 30% of your heart. Trust in the Lord with what? 
all. That word all means all with all your heart. But look what the natural tendency is if we don't trust in the Lord with all our heart. We we begin to lean on our own understanding, our own ability to figure it out. That's called impaired discernment. Leaning on your own understanding is impaired discernment. You are discerning without the discerner. You want to do it on your own. You want to interpret this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, one of the greatest ways you can show faith in your life is through faithfulness. You just stay with what you know. You just do what you know to do. I'm just going to stay consistent here. I'm just going to keep on loving them even though they're, they're acting that way. I'm just going to keep on operating in love. I'm going to keep on, uh, 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 you know, putting the love of God on them. Man, they're treating me horrible. They're treating me like garbage. And my flesh just wants to lash out right now. But I'm just going to show them the love of God because that's all I know. And I'm just going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. No, there's not even 1% of my heart that wants to punch them in the face right now. All my heart is saying, man, I love you. Uh, let's do that again. Let's go for round two. Other cheek right here. Come on. Put it in there. That's trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not. It's the very next verse says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You don't have to discern it on your own. You don't have to figure it out on your own. This helps me perfectly tie into where we're going next week. The last third principle that I have for you that we'll jump into next week is you can't abandon the Holy Spirit. Because he is the spirit of truth. How in the world are we going to discern truth when, and, and put the Holy Spirit to the side? And cast him and, and, and never talk about him and not teach about him and not use him in our life and not let him operate it and not develop a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. We want to leave him out and think we can discern truth on our own. It is getting hard. I tell you what, you listen to some of these people argue their points. And you know on the inside, that is not right. That is not correct. That, there's something wrong. But you listen to them argue their points enough, and it's like, I mean, it almost starts to sound like it makes sense. It's almost like they're, they're justifying pretty well right now. I tell you right now. We said this a couple weeks ago. We don't have an, an information problem, a lack of information problem in our culture today. We have too much information, an overload. 
And we're standing at a, at a fire hose, a fire hydrant, with our mouths wide open. It's just gushing out. We can't take in any of it. It's incredible. Everybody knows everything about everything. Didn't have to go to school for it. I read it on Google somewhere. I got Wikipedia. Everybody's writing articles about everything. You can find an article for it, and you can find an article against it. And they can both sound pretty good. They both sound pretty good. How are we going to discern in these last days? Because where I'm going after this series in April, leading up into Easter, is we're going to talk about the glorious church. I'm not just talking about church anymore. There's just a shift this year. I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if Jesus is up in heaven hitting buttons and stuff and getting this thing ready to engage or what's going on. But I just feel a closeness. I feel an urgency. I, I feel like we're, we're right on the cusp of something. And, and, and he's looking for the church to stand up. Will the church rise up in these last days? Those who aren't just playing games anymore. Those who aren't just trying to check a box. Those who aren't just trying to get access to something without putting something in. Those who are done acknowledging Jesus as Savior, what He did for you. And start acknowledging Him as Lord, what you do for Him. See, Savior is what Jesus did for me. Lord is now, what can I do for you? There's just something switching. It's all been a setup from the Equip series right here into this Truth series. And then we're going to move into the Glorious Church. And we're going to get to Easter. And we're going to find out that Easter is about something much more than what we've made it out to be. Easter was just a setup, man. That was just a setup. That was just, here, let, let me... Let me get everything in place. Let me get all this moved in. All right, now you can come into this thing. And, and, and all right, you go. And, and the church is sitting back. You know, one of the things Jesus told us to discern was the signs of the times. How good are we doing with that one? Want to get better? Want to get better at discerning? Want to get better at recognizing? Get better at distinguishing? Good. Hey, because I'm going to tell you, the day's coming. You're going to have to call it out. Oh, you wait. You just wait till I get on that one. We're going to talk about righteous lot. Oh, dude. Righteous lot. Y'all know who lot is in the Bible? Oh, we're going to find out. With all the lots, we're going to crucify the lots. We're going to kill the lots. We're going to put the lots on the stand. You're going to stand up or you're going to get out, one or the other. There's not going to be any more of this living around sin and living around and letting them do their thing as long as they don't bring it to my house. We're going to stand up for some stuff. To stand up for truth. I'm not saying we're all going to pick it one day and go downtown and carry signs and tell people they're all going to burn and go to hell. We're going to tell them how to get out of hell and how to get heaven on earth. 
right here, right now, in your marriage. Yeah, you don't got to wait for gold streets and mansions. You can have it right here, right now. He said, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is. He wasn't talking about someday, somewhere, somehow. He said, right now. Do it right now. That's the prayer I'm telling you to pray. Bring your kingdom back to earth in and through my life. Father, we want to be discerners, discerners of truth, knowing good from evil, knowing the truth from lies, light, knowing light from darkness, knowing bitter from sweet. We want to recognize, we want to distinguish. Father, we cannot do it if we don't first recognize that you are truth. You don't just have truth or speak truth. You are truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to know you, not know about you. Father, as we learn today, as we uncovered, unraveled, unveiled today, Father, if we don't do it, we won't see it. Application. We want to be doers of your word, not just hearers only. We don't want to live deceived lives, but we want to live out everything you've called us to do and everything you've called us to be for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.